I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello there, guys, and welcome to the latest edition of the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm your usual host, Joe Holbert, and I'm joined by Thomas Robry. Hello, buddy. So about an hour ago, because that's when we're recording, the trade deadline closed. Uh, to be honest, it was quite anticlimactic. Not actually that much happened, but we've still got a couple of trades to talk about. A couple of, I think the, the trades that happened were more quietly good than sort of, you know, outrageously good, like last year when Phoenix got Brandon Knight. I don't think that was beaten this year, but certainly a couple have happened, so this should last about 40 minutes as we discuss the move. So, the, in my opinion, the best one, and I think you agree, the best trade today, Markeith Morris has joined the Washington Wizards in exchange for a first-round pick, DJ Juan Blair and Chris Humphreys. Who wins this move? Washington, without that. They get a player that me and you have been saying that they need for a long time. It, it wasn't just the player. Markeith might have some issues, but he's a very good basketball player. And he will fit right into that system, play alongside Wall and Beal. And he's still young enough that their core players can grow together. Really good move. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the problem the Wizards have had is they're actually running the small ball offense quite well, but the problem they have is at the other end because they start Jared Dudley at the four. I like Jared Dudley. He's a good player, but he's not a power forward. He's too small. So when they come up against teams like, well, I don't know, the Knicks, the Celtics, who have big power forwards, they kind of struggle because the post is essentially just a goldmine for points for the opposition. I think Morris, even if he's not a great defender, he can at least help with his size and he is actually an okay rebounder as well. So I like this trade. I think the general consensus on Twitter was that the Wizards shouldn't have given up a first rounder. I know my views on it, but what are your views? Because on the giving up the first round, do you think it's at all, I don't know, a bad thing or not really? Well, no, because they've still got young guys that they're going to develop. They're probably going to max out Bradley Beal in the summer. He's still young. John Wall's still young. Otto Porter's still young. Kelly Oubre's still young. You can't have that many good young players, so why not just de- focus on developing the ones you already have? Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I think people, if they were an older contender, you know, someone like, I don't know, the Heat or maybe even the Raptors, because they're not exactly a young team. Yeah, if it, if it was one of them giving up a, a pick, I'd kind of understand why people would be concerned. But the Wizards are a young team, and... In reality, Washington's pick is going to fall between what sort of 18 and 24 region if they make oh, the really? playoffs. I think they will make the playoffs now, but that's for a, in a minute. And are you realistically going to get a player as talented as Markeith Morris uh, in that region? I I don't think you are. Maybe now and again, and people can go, "Oh, look in this draft, this happened." Yeah, last year's draft you could have, but this year's draft it's pretty deep, but it's not to the same level where you're going to get Bobby Portis at 21. Yeah, exactly. And I think you talk about Bobby Portis, we don't know if he's as talented as Mark Eve Morris. And I I just don't think it's a terrible idea getting rid of this pick at all. I think it makes sense. He fits their system. They've not panicked, I don't think. They they were reluctant to get rid of the pick. But when you want to get to the next level, you have to take risks. You, you can't just sit around and be cautious. And I've got to say, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Wizards' management structure, but I think their GM's done a really good job putting this team together. He has. The only issue they've got now is their head coach. Yes, and 
That's what we'll go on to next. You know, Randy Whitman, this is a proper small ball team now. You've got two quick guards. You've got a ton of three-point shooters. You've got a center who's a very good prototype. You know, he's, he can pass. He sets good screens. He's just a very useful player. Uh, Gortat. Now you've got the stretch four, which was the final piece in that puzzle. But the the actual, what they need now is someone to oversee it. Because you know, Whitman, actually, in fairness, the last two years in the playoffs has done a good job. But the, their problems in the regular season, they don't win as many games as they should, in my opinion. Yeah, if they won more games, they'd have an easier run in the playoffs. But they, they get into the playoffs and then just come up against really good teams. So, the thing is, except for the obvious Dan Tony, who's going to be available that will run a small ball system? Yeah, I mean, they should have gone for Alvin Gentry. But uh, who knows, maybe New Orleans will sack Alvin Gentry. It's going to be interesting to see what because this is a young, this is a very young team that I think should be competing within the next couple of years. That is, in my opinion, the second best backcourt in the league. For some Phoenix fans, might look at me angrily, but I think this backcourt fits better than Phoenix. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about the Bledsoe Knight pairing myself. Well, yeah, I think for me, Bledsoe Knight isn't in the same comparison. If you're going to argue who might be better, then I'd who would you have number one? Well, Golden State. Okay, yeah, it's right. Because uh, I think Toronto are as good as Washington, but... Yeah, Toronto, yeah, I would put Toronto in there based on this season, so... But yeah, like you said, you've got a really good backcourt. You've now got a good stretch four. You've got some good young players to develop as well. And Martin Gautat is probably the, the most underrated centre in the NBA. Yeah, very good. He's a really it? good player. And he's very well-rounded. There's a reason that those Phoenix teams kept him around. For as yeah, long as he's they really did. good passing out of the post as well, which is when Markeith can do some damage. I think so. I, I like this trade. Uh, I know Ross, our resident Suns fan, is very happy he's gone. I kind of don't blame him. I think both teams win this because Phoenix get rid of a player who didn't want to be there. He was, good. And they managed to get a first for him. That's the thing. Like Usually when a team knows that another team is desperate to get rid of a guy, they will hold out and give them as little as possible. But yeah. Phoenix managed to get that first, which is fair play, because I wasn't expecting a first-rounder. Yeah, you're right. And I think Phoenix, you know, it's clear he didn't want to be there. You know, he, he threw a towel at Jeff Hornacek when he was still there. He, he strangled Archie Goodwin the other day. He was very disruptive. But I think Randy Whitman, for all his shortcomings with sort of systems and the X's and O's, I think he's, he strikes me as a good man-manager. You know, he's tough. He's not going to take Morris's crap in the sense that Hornacek did. Yeah, I think they've got the veterans around the locker room like Jared Dudley and Alan Anderson and Martin Gautat who will keep him in his place. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's that's always so. And, you know, he's going to be behind Drew Gooden as well. He's quite a similar player, actually. Yeah. So it could... I hope it works out because I think he's got genuine all-star talent. I've always maintained that. Yeah, I'm he not might s- not be on the same team as his brother, but at least he's in the same conference. Yes, that's true. And you've got to look at how well his brother's done in Detroit. He's not a star, but he does a job. He's a good defender. And I, I kind of think Morris can, can have that impact here, but we shall see. So, But that is the end of that trade. We will move on to the next one. In fact, no, we're going to move on to the next non-trade, just because we ran about the Sacramento Kings last last week when we podcasted, and I think Ross and Matt even got a dig in at them as well. So the Sacramento Kings spent their trade deadline trying to get hold of Pau Gasol, 
and they were going to trade Ben Mecklemore, Costa Kufos, and their first-round pick that's likely to be a sort of mid-first-round pick because they don't look like making the playoffs. I mean, how ridiculous a trade would this have been? It's a really ridiculous trade. Powers, from what I can gather, is looking for $20 million a season next year. Jesus. He isn't going to... He wants to win a ring, so... He would have left Sacramento in the summer without question because he's an unrestricted free agent. So I have no idea why Sacramento would give all that. Because even if they partnered him with Boogie, if they make the playoffs, they're going to get in as the eighth seed. You are getting swept by Golden State. That's not really worth it. Exactly. I think the only sort of teams you should have gone for Pau Gasol are win-now teams. So maybe OKC could have had a blast. Um, but the, the other thing that I've got a problem with about why they went for... George Carroll runs the quickest system in the league. They're top of pace. They get up and down the court. Pau Gasol is, I think he's 36. He might even be a year older. I'm not exactly sure of his age. He's old. Like He doesn't yeah. He doesn't fit that system at all. I think it's Vlade just having bias towards Euro players again. To be fair, I can relate to that. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have done it. The other trade that they were rumoured to be trying to get was Fabio Cephalosha, which also didn't turn out, which would have actually been a good trade for them. Yeah, that would have been a good trade. I think they need some defense. He can actually shoot the three pretty well now. He didn't used to be able to, but he can now. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a trade that made sense. It would have fit their needs for right now, but obviously they spent a lot more time trying to get Pau. Missed out on both, and they've got the exact same team and are expecting different results. Good luck with that. Yeah, they've certainly got their problems and they need to get it sorted really because they spent time going after a guy who they realistically were not going to get and now they've got no one in. They didn't even get Iman Shumpert or Ryan Anderson or Gorgi Dieng. That was three names they were linked with. They didn't get any of them. So I think that's their playoff hopes over to be honest unless they pull it, unless they all pull their fingers out because it's clear that no one other than Cousins or not Cousins, uh, Rondo cares about that team. Yeah, no, they're, they're not making playoffs. Too much dysfunction now it's just going to catch up with them. I completely agree with you but we will move on from now. I just wanted to talk about the Kings briefly. This is always fun. This was another great trade what we're going to look at now. The Tobias Harris to Detroit Pistons trade. So Tobias Harris went to Detroit who they chased him all summer in Detroit. He disappointed them last minute by signing with the Orlando Magic. And in exchange, Orlando got Ersten Ilyasova, who is a serviceable stretch for, and my most hated player, Brandon Jennings, who <laughs> I just don't rate at all. But you, before we podcast, you said Orlando got what they needed. Sort of, you know, tell our listeners what you mean by that. Orlando needed a scorer and in their backcourt. And Oladipo's having a good year. Fournier is obviously having a breakout year, but their point guards provided no shooting at all. CJ Watson's not been that good. Alfred Payton is a very good creator, but he can't shoot at all. He's a good defender and ball handler, but that's it. Whereas Brandon Jennings, he is known as a scorer. In Milwaukee, he was a scorer. For Scott Skiles, I might add. In Detroit, he's been a scorer. All he has to do is score. That's, that, that's it. So I don't see why... All I know from fans had a massive issue. The only thing I would have added was a pick, at least the second round pick I would have wanted back. But they got scoring at both the four, because they now have a stretch four, which we said last week they needed because the paint gets clogged for Busevich. So they've got one in Ilyasova. I really like it for Orlando, like in terms of what they needed and what they got. 
I'm kind of with you. I don't like Jennings, but they needed a spark. They needed someone who's not afraid to shoot the ball. Because even Oladipo, that, that's not really his game. I think he's an, an ISO guy at best. He's not a guy who's going to light it up from downtown. But the, the only issue I've got with it is I, I don't think if you sign Brandon Jennings, you're going to become a playoff team, which should be their aim as soon as possible, really. And when he was in Milwaukee, that team's ceiling was eighth seed. I think they got it two years in a row. Yeah, they finished under five hundred for both of them. He's a, he shoots thirty nine percent from the field for his career, and as much as they could do with that spark, I like I like the deal now. But in two years, I think they could look back on it and think this is stupid. Well, well the thing that Magic fans have said to me is um, their issue is that they. They got Channing Fry in a similar trade, and they were expecting Channing Fry to be this great shooting stretch four who could give Vucevic space, and that, that didn't happen. But what they don't understand is Channing Fry went from a system in Phoenix where he thrived to a completely new system in Orlando, whereas Ilya Sova and um, Brandon Jennings have gone from a system that they weren't that good in to a system that they've had their best seasons in. So it's not going to be a big shock to them. They're going to know the, the way that Skiles plays, know the culture, and they're going to fit in straight away. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I never liked the Channing Fry pit. I remember he had that brilliant year for Phoenix. I think he averaged something like, I don't know, 16 points a game, we'll say, but he shot. I think he had the highest three-point percentage in the league that year, other than Steph Curry. And yeah, that was because Phoenix ran an up-tempo system, whereas Orlando, even now, I think they slow it down a bit more, so that could suit Ilyasova, because Detroit don't exactly play run-and-gun basketball. No. But we'll look at this trade from the other side now. Tobias Harris, I, I said last year, I think he's Orlando's best player. He's only 23. People forget that, because he came to the league out of high school. Actually, no, he didn't. He spent one year at Tennessee. But either way, basically out of high school. I think he comes in and gives Detroit the boost they needed. And I actually, my heart's good, I think Detroit are nearly as good as Toronto now. No, I do too. I am, um, literally, as soon as the trade happened, a friend of mine who's a Boston fan said, oh, it's good, but, you know, they're still third like, in talent in the East. They had uh, fourth because they had Cleveland, Toronto, and Boston ahead of them. Pushes them ahead of Boston for me. I think that starting five, especially with their other trade that they made today, makes them ridiculously deep. Their team's so good. Yeah, I agree with you. I think what I like about Harris is sometimes I watch Detroit, and because they play that four-out-one-in system, so Drummond occupies the paint, and then uh, Jackson, Caldwell-Pope, Mark, Marcus Morris, and it was Ilias over, they all stand outside the paint for, to look for threes, to give Drummond space. But one thing I always noticed is that they didn't really, outside of Jackson, maybe driving into the paint, None of those wings could create their own shot. They were 3 and D guys. I think Harris can actually you know, drive off of screens. He's good in catch-and-shoot situations. I think he gives them a real versatility on that offensive end now. Yeah, that's what they get. Like, I really like Gilio Sober. I've been a fan of him for a while, but the issue he had was that he wasn't as versatile. But now you've got Stanley Johnson, you've got Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris, who can all play as a 3 or a 4. So it gives them complete diversity in their offense. Yeah, I certainly, I certainly love this trade for Detroit. They went after him all summer. Eventually, Van Gundy gets his man, not in the way he expected. But I really think that they are a deadly matchup for anyone they play in the playoffs, including the Cavs. I think they could really frustrate the Cavs. 
I do too. And like the trade they had today, getting Donatas, Modihunas, and um, Marcus Thornton. Modihunas is a good stretch four. He can shoot the three really well. He could give Tristan Thompson or Channing Fry massive fits in the playoffs. Absolutely. So we will. That's a good transition for you there, Thomas. So Modihunas. I really like Motiunas. I think he was unlucky in Houston because they didn't run a proper system. One thing I will give Houston, I think they're very good at developing players. I think you could see that, by the way, Terrence Jones, Clint Capella and other people have developed. Motiunas is a genuine starting caliber stretch for, and he's perfect for Van Gundy's system. I'm actually glad they went for him over Ryan Anderson because as much as I admire Anderson, he is a terrible defender, and I think that would hamper Van Gundy's defensive philosophy in the long term. Yeah, no, I agree. Things with Motiunas is... um. He had to fight for playing time in Houston because they had Terrence Jones as well. Whereas now he knows he is the starting four. I think he's a free agent this summer. He best re-sign in Detroit because I think that situation is perfect for him. It's perfect for the team. And getting Marcus Thornton because they, they needed a backup point guard after losing Brandon Jennings. Thornton is more of a shooting guard, but he can handle the ball. He can come up. So they kind of they basically addressed every issue they had in two trades. Yeah, Stan, Stan Van Gundy uh, showing, Dot, showing Dot Rivers how to do his job properly, in my opinion. Yeah, they're the, they're the big-time winners for me, Detroit. I, I mean, I thought they would be better this year, but they should really make a run in the playoffs this year. They should. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this now because this is what I believe. If you asked LeBron James or Kevin Love or Curry Irving, which East team would you least like to play in a seven-game series? I guarantee you, unless they know nothing about basketball, I guarantee you every single one of them is saying Detroit. Cause they, yeah, they would. They place Detroit, they're really hard to play against. They they're play, really big as well. Yeah, they play sort of slow, grinding basketball. Van Gundy's a brilliant coach. Yeah, what they've got is a coach who has been to the finals. Yeah, and, he t- and I'm going to say this now, that team that went to the finals, this team is more talented all round. Yeah, without question. They basically had Dwight Howard, Jameer Nelson, and a bunch of shooters like Turkoglu, whereas this team has got depth for every position. Absolutely. I think what, what, what I also like about this team, I think Reggie Jackson is a lot better than Jameer Nelson ever was, but Van Gundy, the job he's done everywhere he's been, I don't understand why he's not considered like a top five, maybe sort of top six, seven, eight coach by more people. He's done a brilliant job with this team. To be fair, I didn't have him in my top five, but I didn't think he'd be a very good GM. But you look at the moves he's made since he's got to Detroit, and he's just made good move after good move. The first move he made was signing Jody Meeks to a pretty big deal, which I thought was overpaying. But now you see how he fits into their rotation with Caldwell Pope and Reggie Jackson. And it just looks really good, their team as a whole. I don't think he's made one bad move. No, I'm with you there. I'm just going to read out the team that Van Gundy took to the NBA Finals. Nelson wasn't a star in it. The starting five in this team was Rafa Olsten. That's right. Courtney Lee, Hidu Turkoglu, Rashad Lewis, and Dwight Howard. So this team for me is infinitely better than that team. It is, but they had some good players. I mean, Rashad Lewis was a very good player. A very, very good player. But you're right. You've got now Donatas Monahunis. You've got Harris, Morris, Stanley Johnson. If he develops like he should, they've got so many good friggin' forwards, it's ridiculous. 
They have indeed. I think they're a matchup nightmare for the Cavs. Yeah, I do too, because you're going to have Tristan Thompson against Mori Hunas. Good luck defending him, because I can't see Thompson doing anything on him. Also, look at the havoc Drummond's going to cause against Kevin Love, and I think they've still got Moskov, so it'll be Moskov or Tristan. He's going to cause absolute havoc in that paint. That's true. The thing is, he, he's one of the few guys who can out-rebound Thompson as well. Yeah, he's the best rebounder in the league, in my opinion. And Quite I've, far. He's... He's a monster, and, and that, what I love about Van Gundy is he went into this team. They had that front court logjam, didn't they? They had Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, and Drummond. He clearly identified Drummond as the best of the fruits. Not not everyone did, by the way. No, I really like. I preferred Monroe because Drummond hadn't developed like everybody was expecting. But what Van Gundy's done is he's put a team that gets the best out of him around him, and that's all a GM needs to do. I'm looking at you, Dot Rivers. And that will actually be my that will be my transition now. So Dot Rivers, some people like this trade. I don't know why, but I will I will let you speak. Jeff Green to the LA Clippers for Lance Stevenson. There's a couple of other things involved. But Lance Stevenson and a lottery protected 2019 first round pick. So they gave up a first round pick and Lance for Jeff Green. What's your first? Well, what's your first thoughts on the trade? Um, they got rid of Lance. That's good. They got rid of a first-round pick. That's not good. They got Jeff Green. He's not very good. Well, not, so, I don't like it at all. There's kind of a myth that Jeff Green is like a good shooter. He's shooting 30% from downtown this year. His P, his player efficiency rating is below average. He's not a good defender. He's a ball stopper, which doesn't suit their team because they try and run the ball you know, relatively quickly. I, I don't understand why people think this is a good trade at all. Well, I don't because Wesley Johnson's been pretty good as a starting three for them. I'm assuming they've got to use Green as a sixth man because one thing he has got is a bit of spark about him, but even then, I, I hate this trade. I do too. I, I don't like Lance at all, especially in Memphis. I might add that's ridiculous. <laughs> but a, 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 first, a 2019 first-round pick, it might be lottery-protected, but the Clippers aren't making the lottery, so they'll lose it. And they get Jeff Green, that's it. That's ridiculous. Good job, Doc. Another crappy trade because they, they were after Channing Fry. Dot I would have just, much preferred Fry to Green. Dot Rivers just signs guys who used to play for him. That's right, Green played for him in Boston. I'm not here to slag off Dot Rivers. Well, actually, I am, but yeah, this is this isn't the worst movies made. I think the worst movie made was the Lance move, but this is god awful. I I don't understand his thinking behind this. It's a typical Dot. I'm just Rivers waiting movie. for Brian Scalabrini and Kaon Dooling to be announced. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. You're just giving up assets. He'll trade. Players who suck. He'll trade a first round pick to get Kendrick Perkins from the Pelicans next. <laughs> oh, God. They need a backup center. I mean, Aldrich is pretty good, but they do need one. It's sad that their best defender is Luke Richard and Barmute. Yeah, and I can assure you, as a Minnesota fan, he's not very good. It's, it's I just. It's Doc being Doc. Who's then? Is it Bolmer, their new man owner? Steve Bolmer, yeah. He really needs to just put his foot down and hire a proper GM. <laughs> yep, he does. They're, there's big problems with this team because this, this strikes me as a win now move because they've given up that. You only give up your picks for either a star player for the future. So, like the uh, Knicks did when they took Melo off you back. You know, Jeffrey is going to start because Griffin's out, so Green's going to have to start four. Yeah, that's. That's I not mean, good. One thing I'll say, that's better than starting Mabar Mute at the four. I will oh, give, Paul Pierce. Oh, yeah, I will give Doc that, but 
this team, for me, if they had an inkling of a decent bench, and if Blake Griffin didn't knock people out, I think they would be Well, that's the, that's the thing that shocked me with this. Like, yesterday, Doc had his press conference and said, we're not blading, trading Blake, he's not going anywhere. But if they traded Blake, like, it was rumoured that they offered him to Denver for, like, Jokic, Gallinari, Will Barton had a pick or something. They would have got bench pieces and a draft pick. Even then, can this team realistically... Because Blake Griffin, people can say what they want. He is a star in this league. But can you Clippers realistic- play better without him. Do you think... So is that... Do you think Clippers play better without him? They do. Just just look at the stats. Everything points to them playing better when it's just Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan running the show. And I, I love Blake. If he came to Denver, I'd get his juicy in an instant. But LA play better without him, which isn't... You know, I don't think it's he's a bad player. I just don't think the dynamic of having three big egos and big players fits in LA. It just doesn't work. No, you're right. Well, maybe suit the other side of LA, but maybe not the Clippers. They're in a weird situation for me. Chris Paul's window is, I'm not going to say it's closing, but it kind of is. He's 30. Still the best point guard in the league. He is indeed, but you've got to, you've got to put a team around him that, that, I don't know, could win. I, I think they're starting five, even with Griffin. I, I still think it's one of the best starting fives in the league, but with that bench, they cannot push the Spurs, the Warriors, the Thunder. I'm not even sure they can push, I don't know, Dallas or Portland with that bench. No, they can't, and that's the problem. And everybody, like the Clippers will lose in the first round again this year, and it'll be the whole, oh, Chris Paul can't get out of round one. But Chris Paul, in every playoff series I've seen him play, he has been the best player on the court. It's just the teams around him suck. Yeah. I mean, last year they beat the Spurs, but it took Chris Paul playing on one leg, hitting a shot with 0.4 seconds or something ridiculous left. You should be blowing out teams if you've got Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul. That may come down to Dot Rivers. I, I think he's, Dot Rivers is a good coach, but this has not been a good job from him, in my opinion. No, he's been awful. I think he's better than Vinny Del Negro was for this team. But then again, yeah, he has inherited players further into their prime than Del Negro I was going to say, he basically inherited Del Negro's team and hasn't done anything more. No, I guess you're right. So, But yeah, the Clippers, they, they don't know what they're doing. Mm-mm. <laughs> but we will move on from that trade. Uh, we've got two more to talk about. One of them is actually a non-trade that we're going to discuss. So, but first of all, we will talk about Channing Fry. He's gone to Cleveland. So, the, I'll explain. This is a three-way trade. So, the Magic, sorry, the Cavs get Channing Fry. The Magic get Jared Cunningham and a second-round pick, and Portland get Anderson Varajel. Portland are waving Anderson Varajel because he doesn't fit their system. Jared okay. Jared Cunningham. They're apparently undecided, but it looks as if they're going to wave him. And obviously Channing Fry is not getting waived. So Channing Fry will be their bench forward. What do you make of the trade from Portland's point of view? Sorry, not Portland, Cleveland. I really like it for Cleveland. It got them a shooter without actually giving up much. Because on the last part, we said that they need shooters. And they've, they've got one and they didn't have to give up one of theirs, which I really like. My only issue is... If Cleveland start Kevin Love, he can't defend. When they take him out, they put in Channing Fry. He's not a very good defender either. So you, and Tristan Thompson, unless they now play him as primary, just as a five, 
they're not really going to have much protection for Fry or Love when they're on the court. No, that's true. And I think the only thing I do like about Fry, but I don't think he's a good fit for this team, actually. I would have preferred him in LA. Channing Fry thrives on a team that run a lot of pick and rolls, a quick system, so clippers, basically. The Cavaliers run, I think, the third slowest offense in the league. Only Utah and Miami run the ball slower. They they shoot a lot of threes, but they're one-on-one threes. They, they're often contested, or they're like late on the shot. That, that for me, doesn't shoot Chan- uh, ugh, That doesn't suit Channing Fry. I don't finesse his game at all. I don't like the fit. No, but I think I think Cleveland are just going to use him like they tried using Kevin Love to shove him in a corner. You've got to put him in a better position than just standing in the corner. This is a guy in the prime of his career. You know, you could, that's my problem with Cleveland. I don't think they make an effort to get anyone not called LeBron James into the offense. Of course they don't. They, that, know, they know LeBron can win games by himself in the finals. But when Miami won those two rings, it was because they got Wade, Bosch, and Ray Allen. Ray Allen. And even then, they got guys like Mike Miller, Shane Battier, Mario Chalmers, Norris Cole. They got them looks as well. You can't just rely on LeBron like bashing into people and, and laying up every time. They need to improve their offense. Yeah, they also... My big issue with this is Cleveland still haven't addressed their defensive issues because I think statistically they actually look really good defensively, but individual matchups, they, they're not going to line up with any team in the West. No, they're not. Because Golden State are going to kill them. I think um, Oklahoma City, they're a nightmare with them. I think um, Ibaka could have a field day against them. Durant obviously could. And Westbrook will kill Kyrie defensively. I think they'd beat the Spurs over seven. I really do. I, I'm i not in on the Spurs team. I do too, but I just think that's because they're fast and LeBron James is good. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I, I'm with you on the one-on-one defensive matchup issue that, that Cleveland have. I, I don't rate it either. You know, I think they've got their problems and they've they've not addressed the biggest problem. I don't know if you agree with the point I'm about to make here. The move for me looks good on paper. But until you, I know I sound like a broken record now, but until you actually improve your offense and stop just running one-on-one slow crap, I don't think you're going to win a game. No, they're not. That's the thing. On paper, everybody knows how good Channing Fry can be in the right system. And a lot of people say, well, he's in a system where he can fry. But they don't really know what they do. They don't really have an identity. And Ty Lue... Has he actually done anything since taking over for Black? The one thing I would give him credit for is he doesn't just dump love in the corner anymore. He actually tries to, like, I don't know, get him moving at least, but that that's not saying much for me. No, and people will say, oh, well, Cleveland are winning. Like, well, they were winning with Black. <laughs> Ty Lue has literally gone into a job where he could win a ring and he doesn't actually do anything. No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I don't think he is going to win a ring, though, and I hope they don't because David Black got snicked, yeah. as we spoke about. So, so yeah, that is that is the end of that. I don't want to rant about Cleveland anymore. So we'll move on to the final one. It was a non-trade. It was one that I thought was going to happen. Ty Lawson to the Jazz for Trey Burke didn't go down. Uh, we'll talk about it as if it as if it did happen, but 
do you think the Jazz was a good fit for Ty Lawson? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do I as well. I think that Utah team is constructed similarly to how his Nuggets team was. I think he plays a lot better when there isn't a superstar, when it's a bunch of guys on the same talent level. And he would have given them a proper ball handler who can create his own shot but can also create shots for others. I think Gordon Haywood would have looked amazing next to Ty Lawson. I'm a bit bummed it didn't happen. Yeah, I am as well. People are saying, oh, Lawson's not guaranteed next year. But I think Ty Lawson, even even someone as problematic as him, I think he knows he's at last chance saloon at this point. He's, in fact, he reminds me of what Rondo was like going into this season, where he knows he's he's blown all his bridges up. Yeah, and the difference is Lawson is younger. Yes, exactly. And, and also... I, th- I think the Utah GM, I don't rate Trey Burke at all. I don't think he's very good. I think the Utah GM is banking on Quinn Snyder, who is a, f- a brilliant coach, as we've both said on this podcast. So I- I'm guessing they were just banking on Quinn Snyder, salvaging him, and I think he would have. I- I- I'm really disappointed this one didn't happen, because obviously you know better than me, because you used to watch Denver most weeks under George Carl. I mean, he was brilliant, wasn't he, in his prime? He was. He was probably our best player. There was a period where he was a double-double guy, and he was a legitimate all-star snub for about three years in a row. And if he can get into a system where he can play similar and be the primary ball handler, I think he can still be a double-double type player. And not just the padding his stats double-double, as a legitimate double-double player on a team that can win. I'm a bit... Uh, I really like Ty. He needed to leave Denver, but he can be so good if he just stops being a nuisance. Yeah, and I think Quinn's a good coach for him. Like, Quinn Snyder, he scares me when I look at him. Oh, man, he takes no crap. No, he doesn't. And I think it's a perfect situation for him. I don't think you want some... Ho- I don't think he's a horrible guy, Quinn Snyder. I just don't think he takes any crap. You know, he's. I don't think he's nasty or anything. I, I don't like that in a coach. But I'm going to call it now the, Mark- the uh, Stan Van Gundy effect because of what he's done with Marcus Morris. I think... Lawson needs that, so who knows? I, I've got a feeling he ends up at the Knicks this summer. I just think it's the kind of thing they'd do. Yeah, I, I just don't see Ty Lawson playing the triangle. Also, if they go for Brian Shaw, he is not going to to New York. No way in hell. That team hated Shaw. Who's the big winner of this trade deadline for you? Detroit, without question. Yeah, and then right. Washington. Detroit, Washington. I also think Portland as well because they got to the uh, salary cap base. I like Denver's trade just because of what we got for Randy Foy. But apart from that, it's Detroit by a mile for me. Yeah, I think so as well. I'm interested to see who you think the biggest loser is. The Clippers, without question. <laughs> the Clippers or Sacramento for not making a move. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I also, this is a, more of an interesting day, I think the Miami Heat as well. Just because they are, um, they're languishing down by the eighth seed. And, teams and they've got no Chris Bosh, because unfortunately, more health issues. Yeah, but also teams below them made moves. So you know, Charlotte made a, the Courtney Lee move, which I think is a great move. Washington got Markeith Morris, and Detroit got Tobias Harris. So Miami are in a bit of trouble. Yeah. This is interesting. Also, two teams have basically entered rebuilding now. Chicago got rid of Heinrich. People might not think he's a big player. First of all, he's statistically better than Derek Rose this year. But also, they're parting with a guy who was a big part of the Tom Thibodeau team. And also Memphis, because they have got rid of Jeff Green. 
who was a part of their team, and they've just traded for nothing because Marcus Sol's out for looks like the rest of the season. So that that could be the start of two rebuilds. Yeah, you get rid of Lee and Green, and you get Stevenson and PJ Heston. You've taken a step back, even though I don't rate Jeff Green. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I mean, I'm trying to think who's going to start. It'll be Mike Conley, PJ Heston, probably. Conley, Heston, Allen, Zebo, and who's that back? Brandon Wright. Yeah, Brandon. Well, he's injured as well, but it will be him when he comes back. So, yeah, if you're a Memphis fan, unlucky, because that is going to be a brutal rebuilding period. <laughs> if they weren't bad enough and slow enough to watch anyway, they're now going to be even worse. Enjoy. Yep. yep. I think that could be a tough rebuild, because they seem to only draft players who are six foot nine power forwards who can't Miguel shoot. Martin, when there's RJ <laughs> Hunter on the board. Yeah, that that is brutal. But we will end the podcast there. We didn't want to make it too long because obviously you've had a lot of social media to deal with today, everyone, with the trade deadline. But we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as I say every week, if you want us to talk about anything, just drop us a message, all right? But it's uh, goodbye from me and goodbye from Thomas. Goodbye.